Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Uh, this is the normally I just turn this thing on now. Yeah. And just get like a ten minutes of conversation before I actually do the introduction. Okay. Because nobody's like running into this podcast. Yeah, it's a premeditated move. Nobody's like you know turning it on and being like, oh, what? Hey, what am I listening to or anything? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. I just feel like that doesn't happen. So. It's always nice to have like some when it feels organic though too though you know. Yeah. Well, see, that's the, exactly the thing. It's like if I start it up and I just go like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Madness Continues Pie. It's like it feels kind of... Like contrived? Yeah, it feels kind of contrived. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't want that. I you know, I want to keep it as authentic as possible. We do Lately, I've been really, in, really into doing um, uh, audio verite. What's that? That's where I just don't I just don't give a shit what happens in the background. So right now you can hear my air conditioning. Oh yeah, I can. And uh, I did one with Tyler Ross outside. We sat on the back porch. You could hear the L going by and all kinds of stuff. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Was like, it did it have like a cool city feel to it? Yeah, sure. Did you put some percussion <laughs> and have it kind of seem like the real world? There's a bucket drummer <laughs> yeah, on the background. Yeah. Uh, God. On this episode, we have interview number two with Matt Baker. Nice. Thank you for the introduction. Um, oh, I was so weird. I just said it like that. <laughs> thanks so much for the introduction, asshole. No, I don't know. Thanks, I, a, yeah. thanks, yeah, thanks a lot for having me on your no. podcast. I guess no, it's fun. But the first fifteen minutes, anytime I'm on a podcast, is me like doing my best to not be openly insecure on a mic. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of weird, right? It? You turn it on and suddenly you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I'm like really reviewing my thoughts, uh, but for no particular reason. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, you um, you came in and you were talking as soon as you walked in the door and I was like, Matt, can you please save some of this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you know, I was had a long day of travel, so when you travel, you don't talk a whole lot to other people. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to have you back on here for a couple of reasons. Let me move this thing forward, by okay. the way. It'll be a little bit easier. There we go. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have you back on the pod for a couple of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that you had a huge constituency of people who listened to that episode, I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a whole bunch of people who were just like, oh, this is so great. There's all these like comments. Oh. And I was like, wow, this guy really has a community of people behind him. Are you, people, wait, are you being sarcastic? No. I was like, people really love Matt Baker. <laughs> who, said, who commented this? I don't know. Just other people. There's people. I'm, people I didn't know. Well, I'm like a weirdo with whenever I'm on things. I usually listen to them a couple of times and I monitor its activity. And I'm pretty sure it was just radio silence, except for the one dude who you told me to add on Twitter. I actually revamped my whole Twitter because you told me to add this guy because he had a bunch of followers. And I was hoping he was going to like retweet. Oh, uh, yeah. the He was like some like writer in the horror genre, I think. Writer in the horror genre. Oh, um, shit. You're talking about Dean Lappy, my yeah, uh, buddy. Yeah. yeah, he's actually, he has like 80,000 followers. Yeah, he's got a lot. And then I was like, oh, well, I should like seem presentable on Twitter. I should tag him on this. Well, yeah, you should. Because uh, at the time I hadn't, I only had a Twitter. I took a technology class uh, for education when I was very briefly an education major before I switched back to English after an existential, existential crisis. Or no, I guess it was less yeah. of an existential crisis. So you were crisis. an English uh, major and because you wanted to pronounce words like existential yeah exactly i uh, learned them and then pronounce them and then butcher them awkwardly uh but uh no but i had this weird moment where i was in the back of this education class and i realized just you know i think i want to be a teacher but not yet but anyway um in i was did one semester doing all these teaching credits and there was a technology and education class and we had to have a twitter and send a few tweets and i literally it's only had twitter from 2012 i sent like two tweets at obama what? And, uh, yeah, and then you told me you should add this guy on Twitter because he's got a lot of followers, and maybe he'll tweet like about your movie. And then I looked, and that was all that was. I only had I was only yeah. following and been followed from people from that technologies class. Oh man! And then uh, yeah, I just like <laughs> just and then, revamped the whole thing. <laughs> just I had, like because twelve followers, and then Dean and two, didn't even didn't even retweet no, or nothing. Nothing happened there. Oh but man, that's fine. I mean, I didn't have distribution yet, so it kind of would have been all for naught anyway. Well, where what, okay, so where's the movie at now? Well, it's still uploaded privately on Vimeo, but it's on Amazon Prime and iTunes as well. Got it. And has have you had purchases through? Those I have. Things? I have. Most of them have the last name Baker, but I well still, <laughs> but uh, still. Yeah, I've made about 108 bucks. What? That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And you released it in March, right? Or uh, when did it get up to Amazon Prime? I got up to Amazon Prime, I think. Um, what is it? What do you, February. What, what's the cost on Amazon Prime and on, on It's uh, too iTunes. much. Uh, I think it's about like $7.99. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, when I was talking to the distribution company, I was like, 
I wanted it to be like two ninety nine. I thought that would really drive purchases. So yeah. Like being like, oh, that's three dollars. Yeah. Hey, this um, is worthless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'm just. No, joking. but you know what I mean. There's other things uh, that like I are made that are by you know people. I, I think really, it's worth seven ninety nine. Yeah. I mean. I guess it's like not a f- like it's just like one of those. We- it's I really like it. Obviously, I'm not trying to shit on it, but it's like it's a uh, there's cheaper movies out there that are much longer. So then I was trying Got to like it. trying to tailor it to the experience of like it's a 54 minute movie that's right in between. It's technically a feature, but it's not it's not like I guess traditionally one. So I was kind of like it seemed excessive to have a price closer to ten dollars for something that some people might not consider a feature. Got it. So I was trying to tailor it back. What who how did distribution happen? Because the last time we, we you had just finished yeah. the movie. And you yeah. were kind of going to release it sort of just after the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was uploaded on Vimeo, and then you were one of the few first viewers um, of it. And then, yeah, that was kind I of, really liked it. I thought you I, – I was like, this is really well done, actually. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, so distribution was pretty straightforward. There's just certain companies that are kind of go-betweens, um, and they'll accept – um, different projects based on their own internal criteria and mine just made that criteria. So yeah, went from there. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And well, that's cool that you made some money, man. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it nowhere even com- I've spent like three grand making it and I made yeah. $108. Well, so still, I spent, <laughs> I spent seven hole. grand on my TV show. So we'll see. Oh yeah. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Well, one thing that has been really cool, um, from getting it on Amazon is that random people, have watched it now, like throughout the country. People, some people have followed me on Instagram and like sent me a message or something saying that they watched the movie and they That's liked it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, from like other parts of the country. And now they were just said it was on their queue, um, like after they watched like Silver Linings Playbook or something on That's Amazon. And they're like, Ghosted came up on my thing. Shit. See, this is and, why I need to make this shit is because yeah. ultimately everything I want to do is getting back to like doing more comedy. Yeah. And I'm like, if you get you know, some kind of distribution people can see you and that's how they discover you. Yeah. It's, it's funny because yeah, it is funny about that because for whatever reason, you know, it's, you have to take the holistic approach of thinking about all the pieces. And that was something I kind of overlooked. Like I wanted distribution cause I just know that's what you do. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And then yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is the point of it. Like I got like, there's like 50 to hundred people now who aren't my friends who know who I am and are a fan of my work. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about it, think about that. If there's a hundred people, even 50 people, you, if somebody came to you and said, you will gain a hundred fans for $30 a fan, you would have spent the same amount of money basically. Yeah. And I, I mean like, I mean, who knows what fan oh, means yeah, in this I mean. context, but like, it's interesting yeah. to see like in that kind of investment. It, how, how does that pay off? I mean, like you have a website. I do. You have a you have a rap album. I actually I thought about earlier today. I was like, how am I going to introduce Matt when he comes over? And I think I was going to be like, comedian, storyteller, rapper, filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like those things are all true. Like you Thank do. You. You've done all of those things. I have. It's well, I've struggled with that myself because I'm interested in so many things, and then, um, like trying to advertise yourself on social media. Like, what do you put yourself as? You know, and it seems kind of douchey to be like to name all the things. So and I um so I kind of just avoid it, but it's something I'm I wrote, proud of. Mine just says comedian, writer, male escort. Oh, that's on good. Twitter, and I'm not I'm never gonna change it. Mine says six foot three, little spoon. That's great. So that's so good. And here's the thing about that though too is that um when I actually look at people who are in the industry, all of their bios are something funny that's self like or like personal. Like yeah. it's not like I'm the lead singer of Maroon Five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you it's know what okay. I mean. Why would anybody put anything? Uh, else? Most people who have a sense of humor have a little piece of it. You know yeah. what I mean. So yeah, yeah. I kind of go that route. And I then, think oh. that we're kind of entering an era where you t- talking about yourself is, uh, I think is is just like it's just there's not going to be any reason to do it. I, I say this because I think like you're right. No, sorry, I just hit a burp. <laughs> okay, got. It. I'm good, but I was it was I was burping and then I was curious because it was like, what is this? What does this taste like? And then I, it's Cheerios. Nice. Yeah, I'm a baby. That's what, I, that's what I had for dinner. I just poured some out on my on my table and just ate them. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, no, I think like Joe Swanberg, the the filmmaker, thinks is he the guy who does Easy? Yeah, he does okay. Easy. Yeah. And his whole philosophy was he was like, people will know you. The only way that you can get that you can penetrate into the industry is by just creating this wake of work because there's just nothing you can't judge. You, all you can do is keep working and keep creating. That's interesting. And I think that there's something to that because I feel like there's just a, how are you going to get people to know you? And you just have to get 
you just have to go. You just have to create stuff, and people will discover you through the things that you create. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think... Like, I just think... I think that, like, you're creating your reputation by creating stuff, and it doesn't make any sense to try to do much else than that, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that, but I feel like that is a little idealistic. Like, that's definitely... Com- that's coming from someone who's been successful. Like... <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not successful. No, but it's, you're, you're quoting Joe Swanberg, who's oh, a successful yeah, okay. person. All right, good point. So, like, it's that's pretty self-affirming where it's like... Because, trust me, like, if you look at my website, I'm not, like, complaining. I'm still young in the career and trying to make it all happen, but I've done a lot of shit. And, like, and I, I slowly... I get, like per project is conversions of people. But Ghosted was by far the thing that got me the most people on my, like on, me on their radar of doing yeah. stuff, yeah, doing yeah. something. But like, um, it's still very marginal. So it's yeah. like, and that's what I think. Yeah. I think it's a good point to keep doing work because like if that should, what should, what drive you in the first place, you yeah. know what I mean? So that's why I don't have any problem doing that, but it's like, it's hard to get people, you know, interested in your work because there's so much content out there there's just so much yeah there's a ton of stuff and the the challenge i think is that well i think there's a couple of things i think that it's weird because part of the reason i wanted to have you on here is kind of to talk through this yeah because i think that one of the things that i i told you before and i think i said on the last podcast too is that i just really respect your hustle and like the ability to just go get stuff done and i kind of feel like what's at some point you have to achieve if you want to look, I mean, this is just the way that life and time works. Yeah. It's like I hit a point in my life now where I'm like, I'm 32 years old. I'm not, a, I'm not old. I'm still really young. Yeah. And well, I you're only have, 32. Yeah. What I do you mean? What do you mean only? <laughs> well, I don't really think that that's that old by any means. And, but the point is, I just know you've been doing comedy for a really long 16 time. 16 years. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of forget, but then I have seen the video of you. Seven, at, at 17. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, which shit, is man. fucking that's, epic. That's hilarious. It's so good. But, uh, point, no, just, just that, um, yeah, I thought you were like 34. Four at the least. Yeah, Not, no. But you, I didn't think you looked like that. I think you're no, a charming I, young man, but I just thought <laughs> you were older. Matt. No, I mean, like, I, I'm just, I'm 32 and I kind of hit this point where I'm like, okay, I have to, uh, you know, at a, at a certain point in your life, you have to, like, if I want to continue to do comedy and I want to have the creative and artistic goals that I have with it, it has to start making money. Like, it has mm-hmm. to start sustaining itself. Yeah. Uh, or I'm not gonna and so I'm trying to square that circle right now because I'm getting like I have like really good credits now yeah and I mean I've been doing it a long time I probably with with proper focus previously I I may have been able to put you know have gotten somewhere with it yeah like a buddy of mine who I started with in Detroit who started I think just a little while before I did a year before me has the number one comedy album on Billboard right now Jake Chris Newberg what's his name Jake Chris Newberg that sounds really. I think were you posting about it? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. Because it's really fucking cool. No, yeah, no, that's very that. cool. And I mean, seven weeks. It's been on Billboard number one. Yeah. So he, see, he, per- he's he might win a Grammy for it this oh, year. Oh hell yeah! Like um, it's really cool that that is the case. I was it was real quick. I'm curious about the Grammy process for comedy albums because didn't Dave Chappelle win last year and his was on Netflix? Uh, maybe I don't know. Pretty sure he did, and I was like, this is weird. Huh? I don't know. But still happy for yeah. Jake Chris Newberg. <laughs> great, great for Jake Chris Newberg. Yeah. No, that's really. Is he a professional comic? Then? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's done. I've opened for him at Zany's Rosemont. Cool. And like, uh, he's just a really good. He's a great dude. And good for him. I mean, he devoted all of that time to comedy. I mean, while went to high school, went to college, like graduated, was in the worst economy in two thousand and nine. Like, super, everything was fucked up. Yeah. Tried to had student loans I had to pay off like a Ugh. whole bunch of awful stuff and nobody was paying for shit let alone comedy yeah and so it just was really challenging because it was like there was just nothing it was just really hard to do anything mm-hmm. and he, I didn't have enough money to buy gas to go to the comedy club in Detroit so damn anyway I'm giving myself a pass a little bit because I've been no, doing just, it for I'm a long just, time but the point I I bring that up is I'm like at a certain point you have to like if you you're like listen I I can't sustain things in my life that aren't bringing monetary value back only because it's like i they can't it can't be a hobby and like so you i'm talking to like you know uh uh i'm talking to uh uh jesus i can't believe i'm having a brain fart right and this is happening to me more and more but not like lately just in the last 10 years okay give, uh, give some hint would i know this person Could yeah you get- uh from uh zanies the um the booker at zanies oh i don't know uh, he was just on the podcast i can see his face but i can't remember his name not cindy nelson but Sydney uh, Davis Jr. Pardon me, Bert. There we go. Okay. Bert Haas. Uh, so Bert was on the podcast. I don't okay. know if you listened to it, but he was like, he books in. He's, he's done it for 40 years. Okay. And he basically was like, 
if you're not making money doing comedy, you're not a comedian. Like you're not a professional <laughs> comic. It's a hobby. Like you're yeah. not a real comedian. You shouldn't describe yourself that way. It's great that it's a hobby. Like yeah. you should have fun, but like people do this for a living. And uh, I, I, there's a part of me that's like, that's spoken like a guy who was here before the comedy boom. Yeah. What a <laughs> and... stone cold dick. <laughs> <laughs> because. because... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends on yeah. all that goes, that, that opens up a whole thing to talk about identity. Like, I, yeah. but like, yeah, if you're, you shouldn't tell people you're a comedian if as a profession, if you're, you know, not a, like, if you're not making money, you shouldn't say, if someone says, what do you do for a living? You shouldn't say a comedian. Well, what's weird about it is, like, I have made money doing comedy before. Yeah. But it's not my, like, main income. I feel and, like if, I, and if I tried to get, make it my main income, I don't think I would have done any of this shit I've done in the last couple of years. I wouldn't have gone to Edinburgh. I wouldn't yeah. have made the TV show. Well, and I mean, I've made some money as well, but it doesn't, it pales in comparison to the amount I've spent on it. Oh, well, no, do- <laughs> yeah. no doubt. Yeah, so it's like, I don't, until I'm at the point where... <laughs> I'm probably easily twenty to thirty k to maybe maybe more than that into comedy over the last sixteen years. Yeah, probably thirty k. Okay, and and I'm probably around ten. I'm at least two grand a year for the last sixteen years. Okay, well, I mean, it depends because it's like, I I guess maybe a little less than. So I took a lot of improv classes, which are expensive. I took, and then if you think about the Ubers or any sort of rides you take in there, any sort of food you get because you're not eating at, ho- at your house to get to the class, and yeah. then making the movie costs a couple thousand dollars. And, and then, then think, just think about yeah. the opportunity cost. Yeah. Like the and amount then, of time that you're putting in. the energy. It. Just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so much stuff that you could have been yeah. otherwise doing. Well, so back... And, and I yeah, wouldn't... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just to make it clear to everybody listening to this, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I really love doing yeah. comedy, and yeah. I love investing in it because that's how I think about it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, at, at a certain point, you're like, dude... I have this has to start. I have to get cash flow out of this, mm-hmm. or it's like, or I just can't justify continuing to want to put the investment and energy into it that I want to put into it if I'm not getting anything out of it. And that's like the challenge is like, and maybe somebody would make the argument back, like, listen, well, then you're not a true artist because that's not how artists think about it. But what's weird about it is like all the greatest artists that we're aware of, like Renaissance guys, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, they were paid fucking professionals. Yeah. And they got paid to do that stuff. And it, and it enabled them to do more of the thing that they loved. No. Yeah. I, it is hard to, to rectify that. I mean, I, it depends, I think first off on like, just your energy and output in like the specific realms of your life that pertain to comedy. Cause it's like kind of a whole concept. Right. But for me, like making ghosted, I was like, I had the realization, um, that I needed. I want, I really, really want to do that again, but it was so much freaking work that I need someone to pay me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to work for I, more than anything. I would actually accept no salary. I want to work from a budget Yeah, because I'm writing stuff now that like, I'm intentionally make writing ambitiously to be like, okay, this needs a million dollars, like you know, or at least thirty grand, like yeah. something, something that has a real budget. yeah, yeah. So that's more than anything. But so like because that was just so much work. Like when I look back on it, I, I mean, it's definitely kind of rose colored glasses, um, because I'm kind of in between projects. I think I'm more just I'm doing. I've been reading a lot and watching a lot of movies and I'm writing some stuff, but I haven't been actively making something, um, like on film. So then I was just thinking about that, but I really was like. It was just an insane amount of work. Like mm. the the amount I was editing, I was watching footage every night and editing, and then working 40, 40 hours a week, and then hitting a few open mics as well. And I mean, doing, you made a feature length movie. Yeah, it was, but it, and it, it was, was a short feature, but it's still a feature no, length fucking film. No, for sure. But like, I had the like, it was just like, yeah, I just really, I mean, I would, I would do it again. Don't get me wrong, but I really did have that thought in the moment. I'm like, this is just so much work, and like, the amount of energy I put on this whole process it just doesn't make sense as far as like energy in my life to do it if it's not what i'm doing during the day as well at some point um yeah so just um yeah so it just took so much energy to make this thing and it was the primary like that was the way i was just doing anything like it was all through the lens of making this thing and it was like taking so much of my of my life force in a very positive way but it was so like there are other things like stand up or rapping or writing um, essays that like are really fun to do but they just don't take as much like direct focus and sustaining that energy for so long just to complete yeah um so like i i do have this moment where there's certain things i'm always going to do no matter what but there are certain things that i think i want to only try to do in a professional way well so so let me so let me get back to kind of like the main point of the, of this line of questioning which was like 
you know, so it's strange to me because you think I, I want to think about comedy and I want to think about the time that I had in it as an investment. And you go, okay, so at what point does that investment start paying off? Because mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's like you go to college. You go you, you know, the investment that you make is not just in the piece of paper that says that you have the degree. And time has shown us that that's kind of worth worthless in the sense that like nobody gives a shit. Everybody has one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe you could argue that there's plenty of jobs that you could not get if you didn't say that you had gone to college, which is fine. <laughs> um, but it's like you get the education, you put all this money into it, and hopefully later that pays off in dividends. And I feel like what's what's unique about creating is that you – it's almost like you create – so the point of creating this is that so at some future point maybe – somebody would want to either invest in you and the projects you're making, which is kind of where you were going with, I'm writing now scripts that are going to need a budget. Mm-hmm. Or you partner with somebody who wants to collaborate with you on something else, and they are at almost a more successful level. The way that J. Chris Newberg said this to me, which really resonated with me when he said it, was he was like, there's only one way that I've found to succeed in this industry – and that's make friends with more successful people. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's like if you create something that's art and people like it, and even if you get 100 other people from Amazon and they pay you 100 bucks, or there's really like not a hell of a lot, like whatever, mm-hmm. the, the, the value in it is that you finished something and there's hardly anybody who does that. And I think like at least from my perspective, now going to the New York Television Festival later this week, like – there's so many people who we're going to go meet. Mm-hmm. I mean, me and my producing partners who we wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. And whether or not they specifically like our artwork, we're at least inside of a circle of people who's like, I know that you're a guy who can get this shit done. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's that's the way that I think this kind of works out. Like, I, I don't know. I You know, it's interesting to kind of discover that space, but I think that's kind of what what you got to go for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, just trying to put yourself in the room to like meet the people, whether it goes positively or negatively. It, that's another thing. Like just being there in the first place. Yeah. To like, make, um, have the opportunity. Who's the director who did, uh, he just did, he did rogue one. Uh, JJ Abrams. No, that was, uh, he, JJ Abrams did, um, the Force Awakens, which actually is a, I, a movie I don't like. And, but I'm, the, I'm not a big Star Wars person. Yeah. Well, he also did Godzilla. Okay. And before he did Godzilla, he did a movie called Monsters. Okay. I thought oh, the, the person you're talking about. Yes, the director. Uh, I know Kurosawa did the original Godzilla. No, it's not know. Kurosawa. It's, uh, and I don't think it was Kurosawa who did the original Godzilla. But, um, <laughs> but this guy, whose name escapes me. Uh, he did Rogue One, he did Godzilla, and then he did a movie called Monsters before that. But before that, even he did Monsters, he did another f- short film that like got some kind of acclaim. He made no money on it, he lost money on it. Mm-hmm. But he was able to create a feature that was interesting and kind of artistic, and it was fascinating the way it came together. It was clearly low budget when you watch it, but it's it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. From that, he got Godzilla. Okay. Like So it's interesting because it's like, and then from Godzilla, he gets Rogue One. Yeah. And, Rogue One arguably is maybe the best of like the Disney Star Wars films. Um, <laughs> You're just splitting hairs. They all fucking suck. I know. I hate all of them. <laughs> I hate all of them. This one was the best one. Every time I go to every, this happens every year. Christmas, there's a new Star Wars. I talk to my one friend who I still hang out with when I go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he convinces me to go to Star Wars. And the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking about other things because I'm so bored. And I'm like, this is the most. I unre- fucking I fucking hate yeah, all of them. It's the I most hate, unrelatable. I hate, I hate Kath- Kathleen Kennedy. I hate. <laughs> Everything they've done, they they're pissing on my childhood. I I I'm unabashedly. You you can ask my girlfriend. Uh, I've not once, but dozens of times, ranted for more than an hour about. Exa- I mean, in detail yeah. about what is wrong with these Star Wars. Films. But you like? Do you really like the originals? Uh, yeah, I like vaguely. Like I don't. I see why people love them. Yeah. Um. And I like certain aspects of it, like being a Jedi is really, really cool. <laughs> um, it's not just the, it's not just cool. listen, listen, <laughs> listen, man. <laughs> I know, man. I love Dragon Ball Z. This is I have a similar. It's not. It is not. It is not the same. I'm actually insulted that you just compared those two things. Well, Dragon Ball Z is the greatest manga ever to exist. So the fact that you don't think Star Wars is on par with something that captivates so many different countries, I think that's a fuck you to me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, do people com- do people do people believe 
that Dragon Ball Z and the 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 the, the Dragon Balls are a religion that exists in the world. Well, it comes from a religion, so maybe. <laughs> Because I mean, people <laughs> people think homework, pe- people think that Jedi's are re- they're like no, the Force is real. Listen, I mean, like I I wish I could yeah. point point to it, but we're not in the right room. You're using delusional people as ec- as like cultural currency. I, I'm not using argument. delusional. No, I'm not. Because here's why I'm not. Because Joe. Because because oh, Jesus fucking Christ, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. Look, yeah. I this is not the time or place to change my mind. Steven Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> Louder with Crowder. Yeah, I fucking hate that guy. I too. hate him so much. I he really. I listened. I watched some of his videos just because it was entertaining, and then I was I didn't believe anything he said. And then I was like, he totally played. He totally revealed his hand. Um, this one video where this dude, sh- this kid named Yusuf, just destroys all his arguments, and he like acts. Crowder acts like a petulant kid, and it's like, dude, you don't want your mind changed at all. You want to go to yeah, these PC college campuses and be a yeah. douche. Yeah, I, it's pretty awful. <laughs> I that guy really gets on my nerves, man. And he's from Michigan, and it really bothers me. Yeah, like he just that whole thing. I think there are good people actually in that like intellectual dark web movement mm-hmm. of like conservatives. I I honestly think Sam Harris is a is a good actor in the sense that I think that he he actually means well. Yeah, I, I think that Jordan Peterson can. I think that he's actually a crazy old man. So when people yeah. accuse him of like saying crazy things, I'm like, yeah, he's a crazy old man. Like, yeah, he, it's really hard to map his what he's saying. Yeah, like there's certain things that I agree with and I I appreciate the message, but there's other things I'm like, this is w-, it. And then like when you when he gets questioned on it, his the way he responds is so hard to follow that you're like, where did the? I totally agree with you because he he's like, um, it's it's just so weird to say because I think he's actually an intelligent man. Oh yeah, I mean, he's um, a doctor. And having having a background in, of course, and he teaches at essentially yeah, yeah. the Harvard of Canada. But having a background myself in the kind of things he talks about, like uh, Jungian psychology mm-hmm. and these kinds of things, I can tell when he makes these references and talks about stuff. I'm like, okay, I know what he's. P- people hear this and they think, oh, it's just crazy. Like when he says, like the mysterious or chaos is represented by the feminine. Like mm-hmm. that's a Jungian principle and yeah. it's rooted in like lots of study of mythology and like why these things come to pass. And like, and, and Carl Jung has like entire books devoted mm-hmm. to like the why, why this is, yeah, stuff. why this is the case. But like Jordan Peterson just says it and then he just moves on from it. And yeah. like people are like, what the fuck? And he doesn't talk about it. He's almost like the stupid person's idea of what a smart person looks and I've sounds like. I've seen someone say that too. Um, <laughs> the thing I think his biggest problem is, um, I think he's just overexposed. He's on a new thing every yeah. week. And yep. then it's like inviting controversy. And then sometimes it's like, it's good to have. Um, like I think he kind of does what Milo Yiannopoulos claimed he was doing, which he was saying that Milo was saying he was a provocateur, and that way you can see what and people will respond to it, and you can see what the truth is in the middle. I don't believe. I think that guy's crazy. What, My, Milo yeah, or I, Milo? Yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm not trying to like get on my soapbox. I don't really. I was entertained by some of his stuff, but I think ultimately, I think he's like a harmful person. I think he's. I just. I kind of get the feeling that like at a certain point, like you can. I think that you can make fun of people by being a troll for a second and you're like and then it and it can be kind of funny but you have to believe your but argument a, and but at a certain point also just like move the fuck on like we get it i yeah i mean i mean like it's you know what i mean like what a, like like howard stern can't show up as fart man everywhere yeah you know what i mean but i just don't even believe milo believes what he's saying that's my problem. No, he doesn't. And then when people put him, put their, when they people kind of corner him into yeah. like making a real argument, he'll say something that's intelligent. And you're like, well, why didn't you just say this the whole time? And yeah. it's, I think it's because he enjoys the attention. He enjoys like showing all the stuff. But that, that guy's beside the point. But uh, but yeah, I just say I think Jordan. I think he's a more reasonable person who then these debates have spawned actual conversations between people and that have done good. Like I don't think they're like. I don't think he's like a fascist. No, I totally agree. Yeah. And I don't think he's a fascist. I think he says some shit that sounds that people are like, Does, "Is that fascism?" And you're like, "No, he's just saying things that." And he, he's also he's saying so much stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the thing about it is, like I read this article in the New York Times where they're atta- they're kind of attacking him, and they're really, I mean, just painting him in the worst possible light. Oh, I mean, I think I saw that article too. Actually, it made yeah. me so mad. And the reason it made me mad was because. There are plenty of actual things to worry about with Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson. You don't need to make him into a monster that he isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just 
it's all just people just want to read articles. It's this goes back to what we were talking about without even realizing with you know that one filmmaker Joe Swanberg saying yeah. that you just keep doing the work and then that's how you gain people and then being friends with more successful friends your other buddy it's like everyone how do you get paid to do what you want to do it's the yeah. hardest fucking thing well, and in journalism it's I yeah. don't know. I mean, I've been reading some some memoirs by journalists lately, and they're really good. I think if mm. actual journal journalism, sorry, actual journalists make their way into like memoir pieces that are have like different contexts, whether political or otherwise, and they're actually really like thought provoking, that I think is a more a, a better idea to grapple with these concepts than having some dumb fucking article that's yeah. like you know what I mean. Totally agree. It's um, I I think that like a long there's a long form type of journalism that's kind of died. And yeah. people just pander to their audiences so hard. It's just and like it's awful. so weird because uh, Kevin Kelly has this concept of a thousand true fans, mm-hmm. and it's like if you can get a thousand true fans, and he defines a true fan a number of different ways, but one of them is just that they pay you like a hundred bucks a year for okay. the stuff that you create, which is actually kind of a reasonable amount of money. You basically are making six figures on your on the thing that you're doing. Yeah, and like I feel I feel like. If if people stop trying to capture the maximum audience all the time, yeah, that's actually a really good point. It's like, I don't know, I'm not, I don't fuck super hard with like woke Jim Carrey, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh Jesus, but that's he did woke Jim Carrey, <laughs> red pill dropping yeah. red pills, red red pill uh, Jim Carrey, <laughs> but he did say that he thinks everyone everyone is gonna have, um, fifteen minutes of fame and a lifetime of shame. Oh man, and I kind of agree with that's that. That's so heavy, dude. Yeah. Because it's like you you just you're everything. I mean, think about this. Like I didn't have Facebook until I was 20. Until I was 20. And so I guess I've had it for t- 12, 12 years. years, which is weird to think about, but I didn't have it until I was 20 and I didn't really use it a lot mm-hmm. until really I was graduating from college, I guess when I think about it. Yeah. And so it's strange now because like there are kids like my my I have a niece who's about to turn eighteen this uh or she's turning she's turning seventeen in September she was born on September eleventh two thousand and one actually wow yeah it was a very <laughs> weird state? very weird day for my family in in uh, Michigan okay at and, least it was uh, was watching Peter Peter Jennings from the hospital it was very weird that is very weird so uh anyway she has had. Her whole waking life, I mean, she was five years old. It was 2006. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time she became in, like, middle school or, t- you know, even even fifth grade, it was 2011. Like, it was, uh, like, Facebook, this was just a function of the world. Yeah. And everything that you've ever done is going to be recorded. And every fucking bullshit, annoying, embarrassing thing you've ever said or done is going to always be there. Yeah. I It's... A weird, I mean, it is, that is a scary thought, but at the same, I feel, I go back and forth with it because, um, you know, we're, I'm in my youth and I love taking photos and like, I, you know, like I know that I'm going to look back. Like, I love looking at my photos. Dick. Of, <laughs> I love looking at my own dick. Uh, I love looking at photos of my parents, for example. Sure. Um, when they were younger and things like and that. And their dicks. And their dicks, my mom's dick especially. And then, um, um. But you know what I mean? So it's like, I want to, I, it's weird. I like have this weird paranoid thought that it's, I'm not enjoying it now, but I feel like, I feel like Facebook is actually better for people when they're older. Uh, yeah. Like, when well, it's all my, my older relatives are all on it and they mm-hmm. stay in touch and they talk. Yeah. We have a whole English family, like a whole family in England yeah. that I know has always existed mm-hmm. and we all, we never got in touch with them until Facebook. Yeah. And there's certain people that like, I just don't have necessarily maybe the time or inclination to like really catch up with them but you know i'll throw i want to be able to throw a like on something every now and again but yeah. i i yeah, will yeah. say that facebook has been i have not been into it lately i i, I kind of would continue being on facebook and like trying to curate my profile to seem like a cool person for a while and then lately i've been mostly channeling that energy in instagram yeah nice. instagram's just more positive well it's more popular it is more positive i guess I don't know. I feel like none of it is good, to be perfectly honest. Well, I think a lot of it, I think Instagram is still idealized, and people are trying to seem like they're they're doing better it's than they are. It's fucking insane, man. Like, and, and but, there's a whole there's a whole contingent. This is what's so yeah, insane yeah. to me. There's a whole contingent of people, and by people I mean most mostly women, uh, who are famous because of Instagram. Yeah, wildly famous, and they would have never been if that didn't exist. Like, if you were a hot chick, think about this. If you were just a hot chick in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, 
Yeah. Um, th- thirty years ago, mm-hmm. in the late eighties, you had what was your total addressable market of potential people who could ever be interested in you in your life? It was maybe maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of people locally. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're lucky, maybe you like work really hard. You get on like local news for something. You're like an, a weather woman or an anchor woman or okay. you, a reporter or something. Um, maybe you you really try to put a ton of effort in. You move to LA. You compete with all these other women. You eventually get more attention. You get on television or something. Who knows? Yeah. Now. I can post one video. If I'm this chick, I go into the gym. I post one video for 10 seconds of my ass as I'm like doing the Stairmaster. Mm-hmm. It blows the fuck up. And then I have this ma- massive audience of people. Yeah. I'm not saying that's there's there's no like moral thing there. I just think that's really like strange, man. Well, that, like <laughs> I was just like yeah. it's because everybody suddenly it's like the the like the like the 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 market has opened up so much does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah no i mean the opportunity is there but i think that's kind of what's really cool about our modern world i'm not saying that i want to you know go to a gym and post myself flexing and get it although if that's how i get the followers and that's how (laughs) i get it Uh, whatever yeah whatever you do if that's i will suck a dick for this art yeah yeah um (laughs) my mom's dick and then uh no i mean i get what you're saying it is there are certain elements of it that are bizarre or weird and that's like oh that's kind of weird that that's a thing like this person what do you do i'm an instagram model or i'm like doing social media influencing and yeah i guess that's weird but like i don't know like i think i bet it just depends if that person is like happy or fulfilled like yeah like if if this person is fulfilled by doing that then by all means go do it but then if um if you're kind of feeling like you're you don't like what's going on and you're addicted to it and you can't stop and you want to get into something else but it's too easy to continue doing what you're doing then yeah then get gtfo (laughs) yeah right well i don't know i I guess i just find that odd for some reason like it feels like that's not something that in the whole field of human experience in a hundred thousand years that homo sapiens with Mm -hmm. any kind of recognizable civilization have existed that has never happened before yeah i mean and and you could say that about almost anything though no but i mean like functionally there's many things that even given the additional leverage technology has provided don't function in that same way. Okay, so you're saying like, okay, this is a good example then. So it's like, we're doing a podcast, which you could yeah. never do in any other realm of history since like 2005, right? Yeah, but... But people have been sitting and talking forever. Yeah, and let's think about this. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, Martin Luther goes to the door of the church in what, Wittenberg, or I forgot where where it was, and pounds the, uh, the what, uh, the 37 oh, so pieces good. or whatever. <laughs> into the door yeah and changes the fucking world he changes europe he changes the history of europe mm-hmm. with w- that one thing um or, or let's step back even further i mean uh you know uh, confucius writes meditations and the analects um you know we go we go back even further the the, the human communication has always existed with this, a long tail and with a lot of longevity yeah and has been spread very quickly like mm-hmm. um newspapers had existed essentially after gutenberg invents the printing press i'd say that's the only with the exception of i, I mean there's only been a handful of like power differences in communication over the uh, since the history of humanity and yeah. they they changed when writing was invented it changed when um, the printing press was invented. It changed when radio and television were were invented, which is really almost around the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And the, and and then it's changed since podcasting and sort of YouTube has come around because because there's a, a huge egalitarian democratization of of communication in that kind of way. Because this, the equipment to do this, did did not exist in a way that I would have been able to do it without. Mm-hmm a lot of capital yeah um 50 even 30 years ago mm-hmm. even 20 years ago so i think that's changed yeah. but but the idea of people having conversations hasn't changed okay but what i'm talking about is like there's there hasn't been a resource for somebody like like some like i'm just saying like some chick a hot lafayette yeah Louisiana just chick. hashtag ass and then like yeah. is that a real hashtag yeah i'm sure it is i yeah. mean like i don't i don't follow it hashtag booty day one of my yeah. uh girlfriends from college is like really into fitness now and mm. all her stories she has got like 18 piece stories of her working out every morning because and, i mean think about yeah. it like the amount of social approval and the amount of 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 social value and reward that you get 
from doing that is is ma- is yeah. so disproportionate. It's the new crack. But that's no, I think it's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they talk about like studies where uh, yeah, your, like, releases the same thing. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Is like yeah, that 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 hasn't existed. I think since the since the beginning of time. And I think yeah. like so if somebody gets fulfilled, like I have friends who back in Michigan started doing the same thing they started getting fit mm-hmm. and they started posting like photos and then they would get massive amounts of like oh really yeah people being like i mean like 500 likes or like things like this versus anything else they well, post how, how old are they if you don't mind me asking i mean they're in their 20s okay because i feel i feel like that part of the reason though too is um because i do social media for for my job and i'll like high schoolers and young college kids and that's kind of our demographic so I've seen a little bit of the research. Like their Facebook is Instagram. So if I'm on my Facebook, granted I don't. The most likes I've gotten on something was like close to 300. Yeah. Um. But they'll get like the like the, the upper ad the 500 likes because they have like 15,000 followers who all went to their high who are actively going to their high school. Yeah, and it's then madness. Like, yeah. So it's like to us it seems insane because we're like, oh my, what the fuck? I get like I average like 43 likes on a post. And I'm like, I'll yeah, like, and I'm like excited. Yeah, yeah, and then and then this person will post the like them eating like a popsicle on Fourth of July, and then it'll have like like hashtag red, hashtag white, hashtag blue, and it'll have like 475 likes. And I'm like, what is this person doing that I'm not? And then it's just, <laughs> but then I realize it, it's just their their um, entrance into into that's that, just how they communicate. Yeah, now. that's how yeah. that's their. Like our generation, it's now changing, but I do think Facebook was our preferred medium for a yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. So that's fascinating, man. Actually, that's very interesting to hear because like I had no idea that's the kind of the but it makes sense when you think about it like that. It's that's just the way that they're that's their baseline. That's just the way that their bars set. Mm-hmm. Man, that's fucking what a wow. What a, it must be so bizarre to be a teenager right now. I've been thinking about that more and more lately because I like um, do you want to have kids? Do you think uh, not according to the court? Oh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, man. Oh, like like we'd have them together, or was that the joke? No, or I meant I, like, are you a pedophile? I mean, no, <laughs> What's the joke? I meant like I don't have children according to the justice oh system. oh like Maury kind of like you were not the father. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, no, but I that was a I thought that was funny. Apparently, yeah. apparently I I just I didn't get it. Fire. But it's <laughs> but that's right, so, that's my fault. Uh yeah. So no, I do not have children. But do you want children? That's the question. Yeah, man. A whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, I'd like children as well. Just a whole bunch of women just yeah. angry at me for not supporting their kids. Hey, American <laughs> dream. Um, <laughs> but I want kids as well. And it's, I don't know. I've been thinking what makes sense. I mean, just just idealistically. And I'm, I really do want kids. This is kind of a thought that spawned from... Not do you know who Jonathan Haidt is? Yeah, of course. I was yeah. watching videos for, of him. Yeah, earlier. he's not. I don't think into the intellectual dark. He's the only one who I think actually knows what he's talking about. Like he, he absolutely knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and a, a conversation with him and Jordan Peterson actually is fascinating to watch. Yeah, because I think that when Jordan Peterson talks to other intellectuals, mm-hmm. they force him to like talk about parse, parse his words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Force him to talk about transgenderism. Jesus, <laughs> they do though. He, uh, the only reason I started liking Jordan Peterson is he. He said a couple of things in that Canadian transgender discussion that he yeah. was originally on television for. Yeah. That for Bill, whatever. C-16. I've seen C-16, all these. All yeah. those interviews start with that. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, one of the most influential and controversial. Act- Jordan Peterson, yeah. why do you hate trans people? Yeah. And he's like, I don't hate trans people. I never said it. Well, that's not what I, you look, yeah. I love when he like does this weird where he shakes his head and like has this weird thing it's and like he looks weird, like a malevolent rat. Yeah, he so does. Man. <laughs> but uh, Jonathan Haidt, ta- I like him, him a lot, and he was just talking about how uh, children need unsupervised playtime and yeah. how that is. They're like, anti-fragile. Yeah, I saw, I saw the same talk. He yeah, delivered it recently, um, and that really resonated with me because I thought about my current life, and I had an older brother, and the two of us fought like you would not believe, and we because we were unsupervised for hours and hours and hours. And in a lot of ways that I think kind of fucked me up. But then in other ways, it's like <laughs> I don't like conflict. I really don't. Like I've had a few ones here and there at work recently and I haven't liked it. But I feel so equipped to deal with it. Yeah. I'm like, I can handle this. I don't need to talk to someone else to like reinforce my back. Like, you know, I don't yeah. need to get an external source of authority. And I'm like, I want to be able to like be in a place to raise kids where they can not be supervised and like be a little bit off the grid but i also like what i don't know where that is because i'm also interested in living in big cities so it's like this weird dichotomy of thoughts where i'm like i just yeah I, i'm in like the same a, boat man like uh and i gotta hurry up and make this goddamn money because i want to have these kids you yeah. know 
And uh, I have I'm I'm in inter- if my family listens to this, which they won't, <laughs> uh, they will be interested to know. I feel like my relationship with my girlfriend is evolving. Glor- Gloria and I kind of now have our another girlfriend. Okay, at least I do. Uh, are you guys polyamorous? Her, her, yeah, I, we are. I guess we don't. We don't really put labels, and we don't like put labels yeah, on it. Yeah, I man. got you, man. No, no worries. You got to live how you want to live. Yeah, and so uh, I've been thinking about this because I'm like, dude, I do want to have kids and like figure out how this whole thing works out. But a lot of what I've been thinking about has been like, I need to really be making more money mm-hmm. <laughs> to just be able to have a fucking family at all. Like, oh, I feel the same pressure, with like man. A wi- with I don't like have healthcare. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, like, how can I bring a kid in this world? I can't even... It's completely bizarre, actually. If something actually, happens I, to me, I'm like, totally fucked. I think uh, I, I just really need to be making more the more of the money. Well, you make a good living at your job, though, right? Currently. Yeah, but that's just one income stream. Yeah. Like, I think about this, and I'm I'm like, I, I have a second one. I've made uh, about $75 now on Udemy courses that I've created. What courses? There, it's on Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com. And I've made about 75 bucks on two different courses. Uh, today, actually, I was excited because for the first time, one of my courses called How to Launch a Career in Sales Development made $5. So okay, congrats. That's cool. The other one, How to Do Sales Development Like a Comedian, is made like 60-something bucks. And um, I, anyway, it's just like you in the sense that like you have a second income stream, which is this iTunes and mm-hmm. Amazon Prime stuff. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to like put more stuff out in the world yeah. that secures that. Because I'm thinking I made 70 bucks in the last like two months. But if I had, you know, in basically one course, if I had 10 courses out, I'd have made $700. You know what I mean? If I had 20 courses out, I made 1400 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's actually starting to become like some kind of yeah, relevant that's something money. you could do with, you know, that's like, yeah. So money. how fast can I produce or put those things out has been like some, some of the question, but then like, where, do, how much do, do I do time? There's a cost benefit on comedy. Like there's just mm-hmm. a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I don't know, I guess relating it back to the whole th- comedy stuff for me, it's like, I just wanted to get, I was thinking about what I want um, and how to get it. And I just really, I think it's like for me, I think I just got to keep doing what I'm doing and try to meet the right people. Kind of like your friend was saying with the, who just, Chris, the, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's like, cause I like just keep building my portfolio that way. If, um, if I meet the right person, it can just open up doors being like, Hey, I like doing all these things. Here's proof of it. I've met you now. I've done this. It's a lot of credibility. Yeah. So cause I think that that's the strategy. I think you're mm-hmm. right. So that's the, what I've been thinking, which is why I've been talking about how, you know, I was telling you, I was, I'm hoping to move to LA. I'm going to move to LA in October. And I'm like, it's part of it's really daunting, and part of it's like, whoa. But at the same time, I'm like, the the work I want to be doing is in movies and making them and all yeah. that stuff. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm a, I love writing. I write every day, like a lot of, and I love scripts. I don't think people who are currently professional screenwriters, like they might be better writers than me currently, but I don't think they have the same passion that I do for it. Like I read scripts every day and analyze it, and like literally wake up in the morning, like with completely overjoyed to keep reading <laughs> you're, you're moving in october right mm-hmm. so this was the other thing i wanted to talk to you about i might as well just talk about it on, yeah. the, on the pod and we you don't have to commit to anything but i really wanted to and i've been th- kicking this around for a while i wanted to write a show sp- or a movie specifically or produce see here's the thing mm-hmm. i'm a better producer than i am a writer okay i do know storytelling i'm very good at telling a story uh but when it comes to sitting down and actually writing it out, I'm mm-hmm. not as good. Yeah. I'd be great in a writer's room. Gotcha. But uh, just the actual script process, I've written lots of... I've actually won an award for a short play that I wrote. In Paris, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we yeah, chatted yeah. about it on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I mention it every time. I have, about every opportunity. <laughs> no, I. So, the la- that was my biggest regret of our last podcast because I was like... You're like, I'm a rather good writer. And I was just like, are you? Like, 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 just <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like kind you, of dude? joking. And then, and then I was like, yeah, fuck you. And dude. you were yeah. defensive. You just kept continuing your story, which you <laughs> totally should have. And then I was like, I immediately felt like a dick. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, that's so, like, that's well, so it's, I'm just so nut like that. No, that's, My, that, yeah. that's, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably just was like, I'm not even going to address this. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, no, I mean, like, I can be a good writer, especially yeah. when I focus on it, mm-hmm. but it's not it, its not the way my grain cuts, if that makes any sense. Okay, your but, grain cuts? I've yeah, heard that before. wood grain. Your oh. grain goes in one direction. Gotcha, gotcha. My is grain that, doesn't cut in that direction. That is that the, comes from the same place as against the grain? Yeah. Then? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Continue. So, uh, so anyway, just to f- finish this thought, what I had 
wanted to talk to you about. And yeah. when I ran into you on the street that one time on uh, Adams in uh, downtown Chicago. Oh yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. hey man, I gotta talk to you about this movie idea. Oh yeah. And you I was were so like, excited. okay, cool. And then like, and then I got embroiled in the. <laughs> yeah, you went to fucking Iceland. Iceland. I thought I, I thought I was going to Iceland. <laughs> yeah, shot the TV show. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, Lemon, talk to me about yeah, that. Yeah, I was that's excited so funny. to hear about it. Oh my god, that's so funny. I think everybody did because I had this idea that I wanted to shoot something. Uh, I had two ideas actually. The one was I wanted to produce a show that was uh, cycling around a group of comedians in Chicago, and the sh- each episode would be you know ten-ish minutes, and it would be a small vignette about the comedian. Mm-hmm. And then they would end with doing stand-up at an open mic or at a show about something related to what we just watched. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have each comedian who I was going to feature write the episode. And then I would need. And then I was like, well, we, we would have to shoot it. We would need director. I'd have an actual crew. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff was like, and it would be a whole thing. And I wanted to try to pull you in on that. But then this Iceland thing started rolling, and I thought, okay, well, I had this other idea that I wanted to do about a, and I've been kicking around for years a an artist like a a poor artist who lives in Detroit mm-hmm. and originally I wanted it to be a Woody Allen-esque approach to an artist who's who meets a woman who inspires him mm-hmm. but like the woman muse. yes like a muse but the woman who inspires him has like no interest in him okay and he's doing all these artworks but but here's the thing he his pursuit of her is causing him to create more artwork and the artwork he's creating is actually starting to get attention. Yeah. But he now he's caught in this position of being like, do I actually consummate this relationship or and then he finally does and his artwork is just awful after okay. that. Was the artwork in about her or is it just, it's just inspired by her? Okay. Just he has to create, basically. Okay, gotcha. And then people start liking him, but then when he gets gets when he finally get, gets her, mm-hmm. it just falls apart. It's like none of his artwork is interesting anymore. Yeah. That's, it, that's funny you say it's a Woody Allen thing, and I totally see where you're coming from in the artful way, but it more than anything, it just reminds me of Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to shoot that in Detroit, but then I was like, I can't really do I don't think we could manage that. So then I was like, well, maybe we could shoot it in Chicago. Yeah, I love Larry David, by the way. I, yeah, don't, I, don't, I, want, I don't want that moment to be my biggest regret of this podcast. <laughs> so, no, he's great. Yeah, continue, though, yeah, to Chicago. So then I, I was like, well, maybe we could shoot the whole thing in like Logan, Mm. And it feels very it would feel very realistic there, and so I wanted to see if you weren't were interested in working on either of those things. I don't know if there's going to be time now. Well, I was thinking about. Well, I appreciate. I'm flattered to have been asked or approached. Well, because help, you you finished the you finished Ghosted and it was really good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I it's I like I think I could be better suited and like I remember you said something about me directing potentially. Yes. Um. I think if you if you if you I'd be more than happy to help you write it. Like I don't have to be the one writing it. Like I can, you can have complete written credit. Sure. Like <laughs> don't get sure. too excited. All right. <laughs> don't get too excited. Uh, Thanks, man. No, is it written? No. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's the most important part of no, it. No, I'd have the story by credit. <laughs> what do you What do you mean? I, get it. I don't know. No, I just, I'm <laughs> saying that I. Um, okay. Well, this was supposed to be exciting. I'm just saying, like, I can. <laughs> You're saying that you're not as good at writing. I can be someone who can help keep you accountable and offer edits and give you insight and not take credit. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> why, why are you being so weird now? I'm just messing with you. Because for me, it's like directing is like um, I, I like directing, but it's um, for me, it's like I just want to direct things that I've written because I don't really. I'm way more passionate about writing, so it, Got it. it's 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 a different priority for me. Well, maybe we can talk about it off air, but like I think like writing the writing of it would be the part that I actually don't don't want to do in detail. If that okay. makes sense, the producing stuff I'd super want to do. But what I would rather have done is I would just want to get the right people together on the project, mm-hmm. and then just have them go and make the project, and I could write a check for whatever needs to be. Okay. For because that my day job has at least enabled that. Well, then who would well, who would write it? Well, you would, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, let me just walk you through the, this. So you want? I mean, it's it's totally cool and flattering, but you want someone to? You just want a group of people to do your own idea, and you'll pay for the production, but you won't pay for any of their time. No. That's a- <laughs> Like, would you, I, would you, would you, would you be, this is just fascinating now because it bleeds into our other conversation, but would you be willing to pay someone to write and direct it? Or you just, would you pay for the materials to get it done? 
that's well, a, that's I, a difference. You're providing. Are you providing a budget or are you paying people? Yeah, I think I would be providing a budget. And yeah. if I had the money, I think I could pay. Pe- I would like to pay people, but I think that yeah. I more so am like I could at least get the right stuff together to make this happen in mm-hmm. a, in a in a way that it couldn't without the resources. Yeah. But I mean, I look. I be happy to sit down and write it. I guess I think like to myself like I. I'm just I, I just don't know that I'm always the best dude for the job to like write my own stuff. Does yeah. that make any sense? Uh, like it, especially no. when it comes from does, <laughs> does it not? What do you mean to write your own stuff? It's your own stuff. Yeah, you're a I, good writer and you love doing stand up and then you've written plays that have been honored in Paris. Yeah, but it's just such a it's just so much work. <laughs> yeah, but that's the fun of it, man. That's the thing. Like here, this is me now being on my high I, horse. But uh, like for example, I have a friend Kate who's really talented and she made sure. a movie recently and. Um, we were talking, this was a few months ago as our friend Mike DeVicro was getting fitted for a tuxedo. The two of us were just chatting and she really has this idea to write uh, a feature about Bonnie and Clyde because Kate's a very visual person as far as she's like cinematography goes. And she found out that Bonnie, um, she had this beautiful golden red or not golden red. That's so dumb. (laughs) Scarlet red hair. And by the end of it, she was so stressed out after going on the run that her hair was gray and falling out. And Kate thought that was so beautiful and mysterious to have like to start the film with this beautiful hair and end it like just awful. And she was just kind of, you know, um, defeated a little bit about getting it done. And I was like, for me that that's the fun of it. Like Uh, is writing it is like, cause if like, I just feel like that's what I am at heart. And that's why I'm saying like directing it, I would almost feel awkward doing that because it's like directing is something that I make myself do to get something that I've written made. Made. Got so it. like, uh. so it's like for me, it's see that's, that's the, okay. So that is, that's, that's how you and I are different because I'm, more like I get the idea and then writing it is just the thing I have to do to get the thing out of me so yeah. that I can then go get it made. Gotcha. So that's what happened with that on Soir de May, which I won the award for, is I just was like, as soon as I read the prompt, I was like, oh, I know exactly what needs to go here. Yeah. And then had to fucking actually sit down and write it and revise it and do all this shit. And I was yeah. like, ugh, this well, is a lot You didn't of enjoy it? No. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy Christopher Hitchens once said, somebody asked him if he liked writing, and he said, I like having written. Yeah. And I feel like that's my feelings about it. I like having done it and mm-hmm. have it and having it. I mm-hmm. like having it done. Yeah. But I don't like the process of sitting down to fucking do it. Hemingway has this quote where he says, There's nothing to writing, it's just sitting down at the typewriter and bleeding. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kinda how it feels. Yeah. It's just really uncomfortable. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just have the such only a time all right, hold on, let me back up. Yeah, the no only worries. time I've ever really enjoyed it is when I was writing NaNoWriMo. Uh, two years ago, National Write a Novel Month. They wrote a whole novel. Okay. And uh, it was it's called An American Comedian in Paris. Okay. And it's semi-based off of when I lived in Paris in 2013. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But it's fictional. What? I know. It made me think of something else dumb. I came up with a character recently called An American in Paris, which is like a, it's just a Sean William Scott impression being like, <laughs> Paris, baby! <laughs> so then I just I don't ever want to bring it to a stage, but it really cracks me up. Sorry, I'm really sorry. That's disrespectful. <laughs> you could I could tell you're getting tired. This has been a whole day of no, you traveling. No, I really want to keep hanging and talking. I'm um, being a dick by zoning out. No, but no, I started because I got to Par- I went to Paris this past year, and the first time I got there, I put my bags down and went to this corner and started it's screaming. Paris, man. Uh, but back up. So American comedian in Paris. Yeah. So I, that's the only time that I enjoyed writing was yeah. that I just sat down and just stream of consciousness. I just give it didn't give a shit what was coming out of me. And a couple of things in that novel I was kind of proud of, actually. Yeah. Like, there was a couple parts of it that I was like, actually, this feels good, Yeah. like, having done this. But but that's probably the, almost the only time I've ever enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, then. Well, I think, well, personally, I just don't, like, I think everything hinges on the script. Is like, that's how you get people excited about doing something. So it's like, I get the, 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 yeah. the idea of trying to bring together this team and then execute, but I personally would would guide you in finding the right person to write this thing or writing it yourself. Well, it sounds like I'm going to have to fucking do it myself. Well, man. I'm offering to, I'm offering to help. Like, I, <laughs> like this I is mean, me being listen, like, look, look, man, you know, yeah. I, you can keep giving the moral support, but I got to fuck this bitch. Yeah. Okay? But you, it's way, but like if you have someone to like, you know, be a fluffer, <laughs> it's way easier to, to, to fuck it. Man, I have a group. I have people like Emily Walters. I was talking about this in my last podcast. She's great. Like she, I wrote a pilot um, recently. Yeah, that's the other reason yeah. I wanted you on. Yeah. I know that you had written this pilot. Yeah, I, I wrote a pilot and um, in, I just finished a second draft and I really like it. 
It's about this guy um, named Cam who's he is a he writes kids movies, <laughs> and the only reason they get made is because his dad is best for, was best friends from college with the VP of DreamWorks. So all his friends think he's a uh, think he's this genius who gets this stuff made, and he actually feels like a fraud. And then that's great. And then after just he, the op- the opening scene is them in a focus group and he's behind the thing. He's finally been invited to see what kids actually think of it. And they all fucking hate it. That's amazing. <laughs> and then, oh, that's so good. Thank you. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then he gets, and then he goes, it's like, and then it cuts to all these characters in a different city interacting and having fun. And like, there's all these different plot lines and there's like a bunch of, it's definitely like an ensemble thing. And then he goes to like, um, he goes home and he's, his friends are on acid and hanging out at his house and they're clearly taking advantage of him. And he's like, feels alienated from his own house. And then he goes to his ex girlfriend's Netflix taping, who's a stand up comedian who shits all over him publicly. Oh and, my God. and then he's like, I got to get the fuck out of this town. And then he impulsively moves to a new, that new city. That's great. That's the pilot. That's the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And then so the whole series would just be him in this new city. Yeah, him in this new city with a shit ton of money and way too much time on his hands. Oh fuck, that's so good. Where's the? Yeah. What's the new city? I have it tentatively as Chicago because it's what I know, but I'm very open to being I, anywhere. Dude, I feel like it would be so much be- if it was just like some tiny Midwest town. Yeah, like it's just you're from like the East Coast. Yeah, right? from Lancaster, just Pennsylvania. Just something. I mean, but yeah. you've only lived in Chicago. I've lived in Vermont. I went to college in Vermont. Well, which is also East Coast. Yeah, but I mean, like it. The, have you been outside of Chicago in the Midwest? Uh, for vacations, I haven't lived anywhere extended other. Yeah, I've, so I did eighteen years in Lancaster. I did four years in Burlington, Vermont. Now four years in Chicago. It's just such a weird place. Like yeah. I think that that it just would be such a like. You ever seen the TV show Northern Exposure from the nineties? No. It's there's no. I'm not aware of a television sitcom that's set in a Midwest town. <laughs> Because it's just there's yeah. such a there's such a strange like have you seen the movie Fargo? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it's That's like a top ten for me. Well, because the people outside Chicago's a bubble. Yeah, but like the people outside of here are especially not in major cities. Like so, not Minneapolis, not St. Paul, mm-hmm. n- not even really Milwaukee, not yeah. sh- definitely not Chicago. But like outside of here in like Midwest towns, yeah, are just really uniquely bizarre people. Yeah, and no, they're interesting. They're I'd... so nice that they're mean. What do you mean? I just you <laughs> like they, patronizing. They're or? so polite that they're fucking mean. Yeah, <laughs> but they're just like they they're just so nice and they just don't even make. I mean, like, and, and as soon as you get outside of the city and you start meeting them, you're like, oh, I see why Trump got elected. Oh yeah, like it's just that you guys just don't. You can't. You have the seething under, un, <laughs> you have the seething hatred for others deeply down inside you that you can't display because you have to have this veneer of politeness because that's the whole world you live in. Oh. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. So you're saying they're not actually nice. No. They're just polite. They're passive aggressive. They're polite. Yeah. Okay. And I love them. But people... And I they're think great. I, <laughs> well, I think I recently <laughs> had an experience that made me... I kind of think otherizing people is very innate. Like, yeah, regardless of who you are. Is. Me and my friends went to Wisconsin two weekends That's ago. That's the only reason I've been, been able to have sex. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um... Me and my two, me and my group of friends went to Wisconsin and went stayed in this cabin and tripped on acid a few weeks ago. Jesus, um, man! And uh, <laughs> sorry, hot potato. Yeah. <laughs> and we were we had this Airbnb host, and she was perfectly polite. And the six of us just proceeded to just shit on her all weekend because we were having so much fun just making fun of her when she did nothing wrong. Yeah. And that's we're exactly. like, and one of the people in the group was like, "What did this lady do to this?" And we're like. This is just fun. I don't feel actually feel this way about this person at all. She's perfectly nice. I'm giving her a five star review. But, that's exactly. But that's this a, is you so hit the, fun. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Your subconscious recognized the, yeah. the deep. And she probably hated. She probably hated you guys. Uh no. Well, she she gave us a good review back because well the whole thing started. Because, oh, that's that's proof. Then. Yeah, it's the politeness <laughs> that she was just being polite. But no, she it, the whole thing started. It was funny because yeah, that the whole weekend I could. It was so funny. But we like we'll go into this. We we show up to this spot and then I always I have this weird thing like I've now identified my dad was a very strict disciplinarian so I like can't break rules and uh. like and like we like but I did ask <laughs> and then uh, but uh, like we get to the place and our, my one of my friends says we can just go in and I'm like we have to wait for her to get here like I was like very <laughs> oh like the God. mom like no we cannot go in there yet no but then we this house. Yeah, yeah but then we enter the house and I'm like Ugh. I'm like so stressed out about it and then she comes in and this woman like comes in around back and she gets upset that our shoes aren't off and then she's like she's like um, oh she dude you yeah. fu- oh she hate yeah she gave probably. you a five star review yeah God she did damn, she's- uh, 
But she said, have you guys ever done Airbnb before? That was the first thing she said. Oh, she can't. Oh, my God, dude. This woman woman hated. She went back home and complained about you. Oh, I'm sure. So bad. I'm sure. But but, that's what she did for us to. She probably said a hundred little prayers. Oh, my God. I don't know. (laughs) But but point being, that's all she did to get our wrath for the weekend being like, I just kept being like, have you guys stayed at Airbnb before and all this stuff? But uh. So that was just off the wrong foot. I have no idea how this relates to anything. Well, because it's uh, I'm trying to get you to move your guy. To oh yeah, yeah. I've thought about. I mean, that's interesting. I didn't take that approach. Um, because he's an LA dude who's gonna tell people how he feels. I had a guy, yeah. the guy used to live with me, and we have to wrap this up actually, yeah. unfortunately, but because uh, we're probably way over time. But yeah. the um, the I had a former roommate who moved out here from LA. And yeah. As soon as it got cold, he left. He cut and ran back to LA. Oh really? And I think it's one he couldn't handle the cold, and the second was that. He, I think he, part of the reason that Midwest people are just like nice, they're just yeah. kind of nice to yeah. each other. It's because of the cold? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, it gets cold out. You don't want to go outside and do anything. You don't want to meet new people. You don't have energy to do anything. Yeah. So you have to keep people close to you and around you. For insu- for for like penguins? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, kind of in the sense that it's like if you lose all your friends mm-hmm. in late November and then it gets cold in December, you're not making any fucking new friends until April. It's true. Like, it really is. You can't. You just no one wants to meet anybody because yeah. nobody's going out to do anything. It's fucking cold out. That's the time I've been the most active on dating apps, though. <laughs> really? I feel like uh, every year I'll have like a... See, that's the uh, thing. Is the the, right the thing in Chicago is that every woman tries to get a boyfriend mm-hmm. right around December, mm-hmm. and then they all break up into the springtime because they just need a guy for yeah. the wintertime. Well, that's how it was in Vermont, too, because Vermont was very cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude, I this has been good. I we need to we need to wrap this up unfortunately because it's been we're at an hour and a half about. Okay. I feel like, like none of there's been no thread running through. Like, I, well, the thread okay is the, the thread is that you're a guest. <laughs> <laughs> the, thread the thread is, is that you have a pulse. You've been on acid. <laughs> I have. It was really fun. But then I started reading Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Recently. Why would you do? Why would you do? That? Uh, not while it's on acid. Oh, but I started it, reading okay. it and I was just like, it was a good reminder to like maybe not do. That's it like, again. hey, you want to w- take acid and watch John Carpenter's The Thing? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like yeah. the, the worst goddamn idea. But when I left the acid experience, I was really itching for more, and then it was good to read something to curb my enthusiasm. You're like, yeah, this is a vibe. Here's the Larry David yeah, reference yeah, okay. again. Well, Woody Allen. Well, we can talk off air more about your project. Yeah. All right, man. Take it easy. Meanwhile, the madness continues. Thanks, Matt Baker. Thank you.